Hello! Welcome to Playing Favourites. As you can probably tell, I'm not the usual host, and that's because today's guest is host of Playing Favourites, Nathaniel Brimabella. Hello! Welcome to your own <laughs> podcast. I was going to say, hello. Hello. <laughs> this must feel a bit strange for you. Yes, it is. Yeah. But I think you have a podcast yourself. I know you're very yes. good at this. And I thought, you know, who better to yeah. trust? Well, <laughs> the reason for this um, switcheroo is that on the day of the podcast's release, it will be Nathaniel's birthday. <laughs> so happy birthday, Nathaniel. Thank you. Um, welcome to this birthday special of Playing Favourites. Um, <laughs> shall we begin? I would love to. Brilliant. Right. Well, the question you normally open with and I'll <laughs> I'll send it right back at you is um how how did you find the process of choosing your favorites your favorite book your favorite album your favorite joke and your favorite place what was it like to choose that it's your favorite book <laughs> I did say favorite so I'm completely ruining I can tell you my favorite book if you want <laughs> I mean I'll I get, am I'll interested <laughs> you think I talk about films too much? You change. I mean, you are the host this time. That was that was an that was an unconscious slip. My favorite book, yeah. is actually related to films, which is just it? shows you how obsessed. Yes, I, I am. know it is. Right, so let's let's add that to the. <laughs> let's. I won't add it to the random generator, but it can be. A, it can be a category. Yeah. Well, what was it like to? get the favorites so this is the thing i ask people this so often and mm. i often get one or two responses which is mm -hmm. oh it was super easy yeah for these categories mm -hmm. or it was actually much harder mm. than people expected and there's the same with me, <laughs> same yeah. with me. it's just that's the standard because some of them as you'll see as i'm sure you know there's absolutely an answer but even then i go well i thought that a couple of years ago mm. do i still think that and then on the other hand, I have plenty where there it's really hard to just pick one. Mm -hmm. So, and I usually say this to people, you don't have to just pick one. So for a couple, I have an option and a sub option. <laughs> but it was it was pretty good. I mean, I I know we think differently on this, but I I really <laughs> like the idea of having a selection, not necessarily mm. one, but having the ones that you really respect and you you really lionize in, in their own way and i don't judge people who don't but i know that i really love having my my, my best friends in terms of the culture yeah i've never actually seen it but there's a film uh, almost famous that has a line about <laughs> i've never seen it but i know the quote that <laughs> uh talking about how much i believe it's kate hudson's character loves vinyls mm -hmm. and loves music and she's saying you know that you're always whenever you come home your best friends are waiting for you Mm. And there's something that I think I heard that at a young age, and I just love that idea. That to me, it's like having obviously I, I have human friends that I love more, but <laughs> but but in terms of when when they're not around, mm. the 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 feeling of having friends in your culture, I think, is is really lovely to me. And yeah. so to me, it's like who do I turn to yeah. at different times? There are cultural versions of that. And do you find that those friends have changed and grown up with you as you've grown up or have they been sort of always there the same friends that you keep returning to oh, absolutely so like the the selection i have today at this point in my life mm. turning 24 <laughs> imminently today. uh but i'm sure it would change in a year's time or, right. any, or anymore but yeah they've absolutely grown up and changed with me 
they represent very different things to me. Some of them are total constants. Some of them really represent my mindset now. Many things that I'm sure is true with mm-hmm. everyone. I would have called my favorite when I was 15, and mm-hmm. now I'm like, that's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and 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 it's it's you know it's important to have them to grow and change. But yeah, yeah, they have. Mm. So before we uh, find out which two you're going to be talking about today, <laughs> would you like to um, tell us what you've picked for each category, and we'll add the book on there, <laughs> just as a little as a little extra feature. Yeah. For the birthday special. So favorite film, please. Django Unchained. Yep. <laughs> I do have multiple sub options. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say them. <laughs> I would say, narrowing down to just three, so one and then two sub options, Django Unchained is number one. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, <laughs> just to make sure, I was listening to the soundtrack, which is, you know, if it was a vinyl, it would have been worn thin by now, but it was on iTunes, so, you know, 100 something plays. Uh, and I do love it mm-hmm. completely. And if it comes up, I'll tell you exactly why. So it is number one. Completely, uh, you know, unironic, no, no reservations, number one. Then again, in terms of if you want to understand who I am as a person, <laughs> you also got to have Le Samurai mm-hmm. by Jean-Pierre Melville, 1967, Alain Delon, and various others. Absolutely one, one iota down from Django in terms of my love for it and how much it's affected me and how much I want to choose it <laughs> in moments like this. And then, in terms of understanding, I would also say David Wayne's They Came Together. Honestly. Uh, <laughs> honestly, in terms of best friends who will always cheer you up and always make you feel happy, that is the greatest piece of art, of comedy art, <laughs> in my personal opinion. No, well, it's my favorite. Okay. So those three. Brilliant. Thank you. And your favorite joke, I know you don't like to have the punchline at this point, but <laughs> would you like to explain the joke? Um, so, strangely enough... The concept for this category was born out of my love for elaborate, long mm-hmm. jokes with idiotically simple punchlines. <laughs> <laughs> Jacob Baird receives an immense amount of credit for showing me possibly the best, but he did that on his podcast. So, yeah. you know, he's taking that one. So actually, I'm going to go with, and I've been inspired by the way people interpret this category in really, really fascinating ways. So I'm going to have another answer and sub-answer. I'm going to give you the sub-answer mm-hmm. first. There is a sketch by auntie donna oh yeah said at a funeral yep that might be my favorite joke ever mm-hmm. and then on the number one absolute that if i could talk back and talk about it forever would be a line from veep that says that begins with it's just the party manifesto yeah, i know what you mean very good <laughs> joke and then your favorite album please my favorite album is Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino by Arctic Monkeys. May 2018. Worn that one thin. That's an unequivocal fact. Brilliant. And then your favorite place, please. Cannes, France. <laughs> <laughs> There's a theme here. I would say sub-answer to be a little pretentious would be On a Horse. Okay. That might be my other one, but Cannes, France. And then the little extra category that I accidentally <laughs> added. <laughs> oh, it's a great category. I thought many times should I expand this. Maybe I will at a certain milestone. Who knows? So Favorite book. Favorite book. The Devil Finds Work by James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Which is quite specifically related to the film industry <laughs> as <laughs> yes. well. It is film culture, film three history. Three essays that he wrote over the course of the early 70s, published in 1976, combined to be a sort of book on James Baldwin's opinions on 
film. And I wrote, I think, one of my, frankly, one of my best <laughs> pieces of work on it at King's, which was trying to distill what his theory, if you could call it a theory, what his theory of mm. cinema actually is. I won't go into that now. No. But for various <laughs> reasons, before and since then, it is certainly my favorite book. Brilliant. So, got the random choice generator here. Book's mm -hmm. not on the list, <laughs> but the others are. So, random choice number one. Is joke. Okay. All <laughs> so right. the first thing we'll be discussing is joke. And the next one. Film. <laughs> <laughs> I expect you're pleased with that. I am. I am. I can, yeah, I can talk about any of these. <laughs> so, your joke is a line from Veep. Would you like to complete the joke now? Or would you like to talk about it first? I would love to. I'm going to pull it up so I get all the words right. Brilliant. And this, this is from... A late, very late episode. It is the latest episode. It's from the series finale, the end of season seven. It is a brilliant summation of everything that show is saying. Okay, are you ready to hear it? I'm ready. I got one word wrong. It's not manifesto. It's platform. But I'll just go ahead and say it. Go ahead. It's just the party platform. It's like a to-do list of things we're not going to do. Restore faith in democracy. We couldn't do that even if we wanted to. <laughs> Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who is absolutely on another level of comedic performance, but does it better than me, but that is absolutely my, my, my favorite joke. Brilliant. And, and when was the... F I mean, I'm sure the first time you heard it, the first time you watched the series, yeah, yeah. did it stand out... In that moment, I know you've rewatched the series mm. many mm -hmm. times. <laughs> At what point did it cement as <laughs> as this favorite joke in your head? I think it's just because Veep. For anyone who doesn't know, I mean, if you know me, you probably know because I say this a lot. Is not only my favorite show of all time. I think it is genuinely the best show of all time. It it's just as funny as it is intelligent and mm -hmm. tragic. Actually, mm -hmm. by the end. And I think it, 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 it sneak attacks you with this genuine gut punch of pathos at, right at the end, which few comedies actually manage to do mm. without forcing it. But anyway, I would say, yeah, I, I don't have to say how brilliantly written and acted and, and conceived it is, because I think we all know that by now. But to me, there are so many funny jokes. I mean, when we were watching it, I was saying season six in particular, mm. you can't laugh. Because you'll miss something. Yeah. The time it takes for you to laugh, you will drown out another genius line because every single line is perfect. So it's, that's astounding to me. But that means it's hard sometimes to pick up stand-out because they're all so mm. great. You know, I mean, I'm also quite privy to um, you're about as welcome here as a swastika-shaped shit in a synagogue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, the alliteration really just, you yep. know. But to me, that joke, restore faith in democracy, even if we wanted to, is, because it also comes when Selena Meyer is at the absolute edge, the precipice of complete unforgivable, mm -hmm. almost evil at that yeah. point. You know, she's, she's this runaway train of, of, of egomaniacal career politician. And in all the worst possible ways, without spoiling anything. <laughs> um, and that line so well sums up, I think, because I'm a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of politics, reading about them, and I have much less hatred for <laughs> the concept of it than some people do. I think it, it, it's misused, not necessarily a rotten tree. But that idea is so, <laughs> not to over-intellectualize Veep, but that idea I think is so brilliant because <laughs> it's, it's just about how aren't some of the things we all value just like a waste of time? <laughs> not that we shouldn't do it, but because... 
how <laughs> what is gonna really happen with certain things. And it's not that I believe that, but I think the show is ingeniously setting that up as the problem. Mm. The problem with these political things. Because the show is is not hopeless. Without spoiling anything, it ends with multiple notes of genuine hope and positivity mm. and optimism for the future. But it's only if people like Selena Meyer who treat the party platform as a garbage can yeah. get out of the way. And I think the way we can all, well, most of us, I think, agree that politics can be infuriating is when people say things, people in politics say things in power and those who want to be in power say things that just don't mean anything. Mm. They mm. just don't mean anything, even if they sound right. And I think, and I think, frankly, everyone is guilty of this. Even people who I absolutely love, heroes, political heroes, have occasionally come out with things where you're like, "That doesn't mean anything." Yeah. And you're just saying it so you can say that you said it. Yeah. You know. And obviously, Selena Meyer is the biggest, most ridiculous version of that. She's barely an exaggeration in certain yeah. cases. I mean, the, the 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 campaign slogan "Continuity with Change" is. <laughs> we've seen that. You know what I mean? There's yeah. so many things. And that show is so good. That moment, I think, is so good at just summing up why the machine of it is what is 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 infuriating. The the idea that the people working on democracy, certain people, certain people working on democracy, don't. First of all, they don't care, but in many ways, they just benefit from people not giving a hoot about democracy yeah. you know and it's so i also personally think it's a great jab at people who decide not to participate in the democratic system because they're not happy with the democratic system which is genius because then the people who are destroying the democratic system will remain in power forever which seems simple to me but um i think that 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 line just sums it all up why is it my favorite joke because it's got all these layers mm -hmm. and it's just like, hilariously funny. yeah it's, 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 that shows characteristic, her, that character's characteristic, not necessarily buffoonery, but just outright distaste for taking something seriously. Mm. Why would I take anything seriously except myself yeah. and my career? And I think, again, that's the show so well, draws a line between those people, those types of people who are wrong and... The, the 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 genuine quest to restore faith in democracy, which obviously is our probably most important battle. Mm. Anyway, that's why, oh, for, on top of many reasons, it's my favorite joke. And like other people have said, it's it's a stand-in for my favorite collection of jokes, i.e. Yeah. my favorite comedy series, i.e. Veep. Yeah. I mean, that's an excellent answer. <laughs> and it's also um quite tragicomic that a lot of people who work in politics have... <laughs> said that Veep is the most accurate representation Many. of that um, profession, which is both terrifying, but almost, almost reassuring that that what we see and what we think we can distill mm -hmm. from the outside is actually accurate, mm -hmm. and that all of these sort of like you were saying, like these slogans that don't mean anything, and um, you know, people just being in it for themselves. We we can see that, and mm -hmm. it's almost quite reassuring that it's all real yeah like that, that whilst, yeah. whilst it's whilst it's awful yeah w we're all seeing the same thing here mm. even the people on the inside 
which yeah, is yeah, maybe exactly. <laughs> maybe exactly <laughs> yeah no one's deluding themselves i um, also think it's hilarious just in terms of <laughs> the the different channels of culture if you will that veep and house of cards Kevin Spacey House of Cards started around the same time. Yeah. And, and, yeah. So, so, and they, Veep and Game of Thrones finished on the same night. Interesting. In which is very interesting. And it's funny because as someone who never thought I'd be into Game of Thrones, and I'm not really, and yet I've seen every episode, <laughs> I'm not like a fan, yet mm. I've somehow seen all of them. But I think a lot of us are very disappointed by that. But one of the interesting things is that that ending is much less dramatic and resonant than Veep. Mm. And House of Cards also just kind of melted into melodrama and Mm -hmm. ridiculous stakes. Mm. And actions that are just meant to be a thrilling show, not in any way saying anything interesting about politics, where Veep, like you say, kept his feet on the ground the whole time. It's reassuring in that way. Mm. And the same way it becomes more haunting and terrifying because it... Never strayed into the, the, the completely ridiculous. I mean, occasionally yeah. it does. But it, yeah, never went completely off the map. And it's interesting because I remember just on the House of Cards point, it made politics look really glamorously mm. intense. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was complete, oh, no. it's the complete yeah. opposite. It's, it's the most unglamorously <laughs> sloppy. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Almost mundane. Completely. Yeah. Um, before we move on to talk about your film, would you like to talk a little bit about your auntie? Oh God, I'd love to. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll put the link in the, in the, in the description. Um, the auntie Donna sketch and auntie Donna are one of my favorite comedy people. My favorite, I would say is Eric Andre, but up there is definitely auntie Donna in terms of just comedy presences. Mm -hmm. The, there is three person sketch group from Australia Everyone looked them up. They had a fantastically successful string of fringe shows in Edinburgh, a couple of which I've seen, which were fantastic. They pointed at me. It was great. <laughs> um, you met them. We did meet them. Yeah. Yes. There's a picture of us hanging out <laughs> with them. It was really fun. They were really nice guys and very funny. Yeah. They got a great new show on Netflix, uh, Big Little House of Fun. Anyway, they it was one of those, one of the few internet people I can claim that I actually knew for many years. Yeah. Mostly I have no idea what's going on on the internet on YouTube, but with these guys, I actually did find them on some random, random, random alternative, 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 alternative comedy list when I was just scrolling in, you know, 2012 or, or mm. 14 or something like that. And I watched all their videos thought they were just fantastically strange. And you know, my sense of humor, fantastic on every level. And they have uh, they have had they've had many different videos of kind of you can see an increasing production value, and one of the big crossovers was this sketch, which suddenly had like much nicer filming and so on. And it's this funeral. It's very serious, mm-hmm. and Swan Lake mm-hmm. is playing. <laughs> right, it's fantastic, yeah, yeah. and it's very somber. And there's these three young men, and there's their friend is clearly in the in the casket, and, and presumably the deceased's parents are in the background. And they're and it's and 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 as the music intensifies, you know, doo, 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 and the camera gets closer, and they're crying, and it's like, oh, it's so dark. And suddenly the beat starts to loop. <laughs> And I won't do the whole music, but it start. They it, it suddenly you notice that the, the 
that the music, the the the, the radio playing out of is just a gigantic boombox, which doesn't make any sense. That makes it funnier. But everyone is like just looking around, and what was previously a really somber and serious moment is suddenly they're trying to keep their composure but the this this almost dubstep track is now playing in the background this savage remix of swan lake it's it is it's i can't describe it it is just fantastic in terms of like honestly i think editing wise peak comedy editing music editing you know how much i love editing music to images and so on or images to music i should say so i would say that is brilliant it goes into complete a complete mess by the end, but Brilliant. in a great way. So I would say in terms of comedy ideas distilled into just to over explain the joke for to, to myself, <laughs> someone chose the wrong track, <laughs> which is totally believable in certain cases that they typed in Swan Lake, got the wrong type. I think that's brilliant. And then the way they do it, I won't spoil the best joke in it. I would say mm-hmm. everyone watch. Okay, yeah. Watch. Brilliant. Well that's a, a good recommendation for <laughs> everyone to go and have a look at. Right, let's move on to your favourite film. My favourite film. Which is Django Unchained. It's Django Unchained. Yeah. When did you first see it? Mm. I know I know that your um relationship with Tarantino pre Django Unchained was less favourable. Yes. So yeah, would you like to talk about when you first saw it and how that Absolutely. Uh well I would say what what that relationship was was I was really not a fan of violence. Mm-hmm. Mm. Egregious violence. Yes, which is for a while. I was a huge scaredy cat as a kid. Halloween was such a love hate relationship. Loved Halloween is probably still my favorite holiday. But I was also like, ah, you know, what I mean, going to parties. I mean, we're talking very young. But that 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 continued in as I started watching more and more. You know, films pitched to older audiences because I was getting older. Like that, that maintained is like I don't like violence, right? Right. Yeah. And genuinely. Seeing, I would say, seeing the trailer for Django Unchained. It was mm-hmm. the trailer, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Vengeance. Mm-hmm. Brilliantly edited trailer. I, 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 I downloaded it, I think, from you know iTunes trailers or when you can do that, and watched it like a hundred times. It was, it was the best thing I'd ever seen. You know what I mean? Just the, 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 the choreography and the, and, and the, the. It was just brilliant. The music was incredible. They got this this mashup, and it's, it's an incredible cast, as we all know: Jamie Foxx, Leonardo DiCaprio, Christoph Waltz. Who I didn't know at the time, but now mm-hmm. now he's one of the greats, right? Samuel Jackson, brilliant. Carrie Washington. It's an incredible group of people, and the trailer just got me. And I remember being with my dad in I think it was Landmark Bethesda Row, seeing a completely different movie, probably something much more tame. <laughs> I think that would have been over the late summer because it came out on Christmas. Or maybe it was whatever. And I just remember being like, that is the best trailer I've mm. ever seen. But it's a Tarantino movie? I don't like him. He, has, he likes violence. And I remember being like, you know what? Why don't I just test it out? Yeah. Test it out. And to, I went and watched Reservoir Dogs, mm-hmm. which is his 99 minute long first feature, minimal, known itself for its maniacal violence. Right? But, you know, caused outrage. I mean, it's 1992, but still, you know, caused outrage yeah. then. And I remember the thing that got me was, you haven't seen it, have you? No, but I know. Right. I won't spoil anything, but there's a scene, <laughs> the ear scene. But I think yeah. a lot of us have heard of it, even if you haven't yeah, seen the film. Definitely. The ear scene. It's horrible, right? And I and here I am, squeamish 15-year-old, being like, I don't want to watch my And I remember sitting my laptop on my lap, and 
when when he moves towards the guy, angling for his ear, I genuinely like turn my head, and the camera did too. Yeah. And the camera turns away at that exact moment. And I remember being like, oh, God. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> He's good. <laughs> He's good. He, 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 he did that. We, we just did the same movement at the exact same time. Yeah. And I remember, and that just got me. And, you know, just a long story short, I watched every single one. Every single one mm. in order. Because, you know, I had months. And before, in, in preparation. In preparation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched, I watched Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill, Kill Bill 2, Death Proof. And then Inglorious Bastards, which was really the turning point. Because Inglorious mm. Bastards is brilliant. Oh, excellent. He's brilliant. You see. You yeah, yeah. Excellent. Brilliant. And brings in so much of a sort of prestigious side to it. And clever and just marries all these vibes together. And, you know, as much as being a film scholar, blah, 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 it's almost uncool to like Tarantino sometimes. I'm completely in the tank. Love him. Love him. Does he have some terrible writing sometimes? Absolutely. Does Reservoir Dogs contain about a thousand too many uses of the N-word? Absolutely. Are there plenty of things where you're like, oh, God, I wish he hadn't done that? Yes, but I still love them, and I think that he doesn't... Well, I mean, he gets tons of credit, so I won't say that. I don't think he's an underdog, but I, but I, I do think people dismiss him out of hand a little bit too often mm-hmm. because a great deal of his films have a lot more depth and gravity to them than they initially seem. Right. So when I first saw Django Unchained, it was Christmas 2012. It was brilliant. Absolutely loved it. I think I sat quite near the front, but I still loved it. I actually had nightmares the night before. I had nightmares the night before that it was going to be too scary. Because it was the first violent movie I'd seen in the theater. Right. Knowing that it was really, right. really, really violent. You know. Yeah. Because you can't turn your head away so much. No, in a, no, no, no. And I had, not, yeah, yeah. I, and, and because, you know, you know, your mind wanders. Mm. And I remember I was like, oh God, you know, what's yeah. going to happen? Because, you know, because it's, it's a haunting, horrible context. For everyone who yeah, doesn't know, it's, it's set during the, in the antebellum South. Yeah. During the height of slavery. It is, it is a, and the film was very clear about that in the trailer. Mm. You know, this is going to be a, a, a bloody mess <laughs> that doesn't flinch away from that. And I remember, yeah, my mind kind of ran away with me and I was like, oh God. Mm. what's going to be but i it was wonderful and i saw it five times in the theater with various different people various different combinations and mm-hmm. probably my favorite one was in silver spring in the regal which had an extremely lively crowd cheering every few seconds you know mm-hmm. and it was one of those where i'd seen it enough times that i didn't care that people were making noise and go yeah you know what i mean yeah. in fact it made it 10 times better so that's when i first saw it Brilliant. And and the first time you saw it, did you see that with your family on your own? I, I don't think I did. No, I think I think actually, funnily enough, I was too young, and a friend could get me seventeen oh. to see an R-rated movie. Yeah, and so I think some friends in the year above bought uh. a few of us tickets, which is legal, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, they bought a few of us tickets, and yeah, I saw it with I think I think five friends. Mm-hmm. Absolutely loved it, and said, you know, everyone come along. Mm. And it's not lost any of it. You, I'm, not how all. many times have you seen it? Do you know? At least ten. Yeah. Least oh, ten probably times. more. Probably more. Yeah. yeah. Probably more. And it's two hours and forty-five minutes, so that's mm. something. But I just it 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 is on a scale that I absolutely adore, especially the sort of episodic 
portions toward the end, mm. and you've seen it. Yeah. The, 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 the way that the story, and Tarantino's brilliant at that, I think, the way this, you just don't know where it's going. Mm. And it's like, oh, God. You know yeah. I, mean? I mean, when certain characters, without spoiling it, even though it's nearly 10 years old, when certain characters just die. Yeah. Fantastically, you know, yeah. gloriously, but yep. what? You know? <laughs> and it's suddenly, it's just this magnificent, it's, it's, it's like a, it's, it's, if I knew better word, better words, <laughs> musical words, I would use them. But just there's this, there's a certain feeling of just euphoria that maintains mm. for the rest of the movie, you know, scene to scene to scene. I think it's part of the music and so on. But just this feeling of like, yeah, you know, keep, keeps going. Mm. Even when it's horrifying, you're like, what's next? What's mm. next? Come on. So I love it. And I know there are certain sort of arguments that really dismiss it or really dislike it, mm-hmm. and I wonder sort of how you feel about those clearly you don't agree with them (laughs) but (laughs) that's funny i mean we have a picture of spike lee up on our wall because i respect him greatly and i think he's he's a a brilliant fella but he hates he hates this movie he hates it Mm. and many many other people do i mean i've read an entire book of uh, essays by Mm. black film scholars on jango and chain and every single one of them is extremely critical i was like oh man (laughs) um I think there is obviously valid arguments. I think I have a bit of confirmation bias or, or the opposite where I like it too much. At this right. point, it's almost too late. You know what I mean? It's right, almost yeah. too late to be turned, honestly. I think a lot of it just stems from the idea that it is disrespectful of the actual history of right. African-American people mm-hmm. who were enslaved. I think I, I respect that. But I would say... It, 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 there is a level of bombast and thrill and catharsis that I think you also can't deny. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying that as someone who I think is not alone. You know what I mean? I think there's there's a swathe of black people, swathe of people around the world descended, either descended from, from enslaved people or... Yeah, well, yeah, who who are connected to it in that way, who love the movie because yeah. every slave holder is absolutely obliterated in yeah. this movie yeah. from a pure, almost reptilian brain catharsis. Yeah. And, I mean, Tarantino, you, they, you know, there's all these jokes about how Kill Bill is a female revenge fantasy, Inglourious Passage is a Jewish revenge fantasy, uh, Django Unchained is a is a is a is a slave people revenge fantasy. It's interesting. I would say the Hateful Eight. No, I, I won't take you up the Hateful Eight. The the that followed three years after, I think clarifies even further that Tarantino was not the wrong person to say this. Right. I think he does know what he's talking about. I think he's a little obsessed with black culture, mm-hmm. for better or for worse. But I think he does craft films that respect the history, respect right. the gravity of the situation. Mm-hmm. They just do them in a way that allows the characters in the movie to go absolutely nuts. Yeah. And while there are some 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 horrific things that I think are, you know, on the verge of distasteful, I think the Mandingo fight is unnecessary. Yeah. It's it's just about raising the stakes. I think Tarantino is good at balancing the idea that he's talking to black people and white people. He's talking to his audience. Mm. And there's a lot of people who I think don't understand. I mean, there was, I mean, I think it was around that similar time where there was a, a, a house representative who said slavery wasn't that bad. Right. Yeah. In, a, in a speech. And I mean, now it almost seems commonplace. Mm. But in 2011 or 12, that, yeah, I think it 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> there were people who were left out in the open. Maybe I'm being naive, but I think that's true. And there were these. There were people who were just like, it wasn't really that bad. It was, you know, it was like working on in a farm. It wasn't that bad. And that's, you know, that's obviously not true. Yeah. And if you need to make a movie like Jane Chain to prove it and then absolutely obliterate those people in it, works for me. Do you want me to tell you the other reason that I really love it? Go on. Absolutely. My grandfather, Andrew Brimmer, mm-hmm. passed away in October of 2012. A month. Well, two months before mm. this film came out. And one of the things my, my you know, and that was very hard for all of us, mm-hmm. obviously. Great man. Wonderful grandfather, wonderful father, wonderful person. Hmm. Achieved a hell of a lot yeah. in his life. Came from, coming from a town of less than 100 people. I could go on and on and on about how great he, he, he was and how great his, his, how towering his, his memory is. And he loved Westerns. Hmm. And they, you know, his, their library in their, in their old house was just full of DVDs and so on and so forth. And you catch them a lot. And... He also, he was a man who wasn't always the most open. Mm-hmm. Not, in a, not in a bad way, just, you yeah, know, just, you know, some people don't, you know, yeah, keep their cards yeah. close to their chest. And I don't think I knew him as much as I would have liked. Mm-hmm. And while towards the end we had shared some really quality time, which was lovely, he was already quite sick. And I, to this day, wish I could have known him better. Now that is just a reality of life and that I was 15. Yeah. And I don't think a lot of 15-year-olds necessarily know the the how to act <laughs> yet. No, no. I mean, I was well-behaved. I just mean, like, you yeah. know, I, I don't think I quite processed the weight of the fact that I would like to know my grandfather yes. better. Until, yeah, until, you know, he, pa- he, he passed away, George Washington Hospital. But my mom said he would have loved this movie. Right. My mom said he would have loved the idea that there is an intense, no, no holds barred, black led western. Mm-hmm. Now there are other black led westerns. You know, I've in the past been wrong and said this is the only one. It's not true. That's not true. I've learned that since. But you know, there's one to Sidney Poitier and there's one to all sorts of people. But this is a new one. And it's an intense one. It's a massive budget one. That's yes. a big. That's a big yes. thing. A massive budget one that was nominated for tons of Oscars. One. One a few. Really, really, really intensely taking up the mantle of the spaghetti western and the western and the, the American epic with Jamie Foxx and Kerry Washington mm. front and center. And I think that is a big, big deal. Mm-hmm. And so, honestly, for his memory. Now, yeah. you know, he never saw it. Maybe he wouldn't have liked it. <laughs> but if my mom says he would have liked yeah, it, I think, I think he would So it means a lot to me. And in a way, it somewhat does feel like I'm sharing it with him. Which is a bit fanciful, but oh, no, I, I choose to hold on to that's that. That's lovely. I think that's <laughs> lovely. And I think he would like you remembering him through his film taste, particularly because that's something that interests you so much. Completely. Mm-hmm. So, that's lovely. my favourite movie. Brilliant. <laughs> um, would you like to talk about the others on your list? Oh, real quick, I would just say everyone should watch both of them. Mm-hmm. The Samurai is one of the most beautiful, intensely stylish works of art i've ever seen on a on a on a on a level of artistry and intelligence that i think is just uh, and fun there's a great deal of french new waves films you know from the late 60s and and so on that are just a slog they're brilliant but they're a slog (laughs) i love a lot of them but they're a slog this one is still it is quiet it is patient but it is just brilliantly sort of interpolating noir and french style 
in just a gorgeous way. It also features a brilliant performance by Alain Delon, who, like many actors, is sometimes better when his face is completely still. He's not saying anything, but <laughs> he's so, so beautiful, but so powerful at the same time. And then Kathy Rosier as well, who is a stunning actress, in ter- stunning in terms of like her performance as well and her, her presence on screen. She's in very few films, but she's just mm. a revelation. As this caramel-skinned jazz pianist. It's a brilliant film. I absolutely love it. And then, yeah, I think everyone should watch that. It's got all my favorite stylish things. <laughs> Whenever I watch it, I try to dress like Jeff Costello for <laughs> the next month or so. Um, also, it to tie it real quick into the album, the album Tranquility Base Hotel and Casino, Alex Turner was saying he was inspired by Melville films like Le Samurai and Le Cercle Rouge and a couple others to create the vibe of that album, which, as I said, is my favorite. So that's just another great thing about it. And then They Came Together was just the funniest film. It's just brilliant. Every single line is brilliant. And what I love about it is that people really don't like it. <laughs> I love the fact yeah, that people it, really do push against Some your... people think it just sucks. Some people <laughs> think it's too stupid. And I say the stupider, the better in this case. So Paul Rudd and Amy Poehler and an absolute host, murderer's row of comedy greats. They came together. Excellent. Wonderful. Well... Nathaniel, thank you for sharing your favourite. Thank you for doing this, Laura. This um, has been lovely. Thank you for letting me present your podcast. <laughs> I've had a lovely time. I've learned some new things. I mean, I, I was aware of a lot of these things already, but even mm-hmm. I've learned some some new things about your favourites. Is okay. there anything you want to add? Anything you feel we, we should have covered? Well, I want to say I really appreciate everyone listening, genuinely. I really appreciate your help with everything. Mm-hmm. I think this way of connecting is really helpful. Yeah. Well, I hope it is. And it has been for me. And I love all my friends very much. So thank you for listening and for being great. All of you. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you for listening. This has been Playing Favorites. I'm Nathaniel. I'm Laura. Good night. Good night. Say second-handed love I can't see. It's good for some, but not.